Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and we're going to do week seven and week eight in one fell swoop. So last week we couldn't um, do our podcast because of uh, some weather issues, and I know some of you are probably experiencing some of those weather issues as well. Uh, But nonetheless, we're still going to try to get through uh, last week's and this week's. Um, And I guess we might be a little bit longer today because we have some more material uh, to cover. We're still talking about, um, we're still in February, so we're still talking about love and the theme is love. And all the passages that you've read for last week and for this coming week uh, are going to be related to love. And so that's the main theme. So we've got a lot to cover today. I've got Matt McClay with me here, um, and he's going to help me as we kind of work through some of these material. Now, the following week, we start a new month, and I'm March, and I'm hoping that March will be a better weather month and we'll be able to be on the, back on the weekly schedule. So I'm excited for March, um, but we need to talk about these passages today. So let's, let's dig in here. I've got a few. Um, so from the week that we missed, we need to talk about, um, we have one more passage in the Old Testament, Micah chapter 7, verses 14 through 20. Um, a good Old Testament passage there, um, again, showing that theme of God's unfailing love, especially for his love for the nation of Israel. And I think that's a key for us to understand, not that uh, we don't have that same, God doesn't have that same love for us, but it's kind of more for them, focused on them. But yeah, there's so many things about unfailing love um, that are important. And I highlighted in this passage in Matthew, or excuse me, not Matthew, Micah chapter seven, uh, the two ideas of mercy and faithfulness. And those are the things that stuck out to me and how God's love is merciful and how God's love is also faithful. Is there anything from that passage that you want to share or maybe something that, that um, came away with? Absolutely. We always look at repeating words in passages and that, that term steadfast love and yeah. steadfast love. And when you, when you put that up against the love that was off and on that Israel had shown toward God back and forth since the beginning of their formation as a nation by God. Um, Their love had been on again, off again, on again, off again. You compare that to God's love, even when Israel didn't reciprocate that love. His love was always steadfast. Sometimes it involved discipline, um, but it always involved this this promise of restoration. Now, what translation are you reading from? I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Okay, ESV. So ESV says steadfast love. My NLT says unfailing love. So it's kind of... Again, same, same idea, same concept, just two different words. Um, but yeah, you get this idea that Israel so many times was unfaithful uh, in their love, but yet so many times God is faithful. And so many times today, uh, we kind of feel that same way. We mess up so many times, but yet God's love continues no matter what. Of course, that was part of his covenant for Israel. It's part of his covenant with us. And um, that kind of uh, is a big deal and uh, steadfast. But I like, I like that better than unfailing. I know unfailing sounds better, but I think I like steadfast. That I feel like that's stronger, uh, more stable, maybe. I don't know. Even maybe during it's just power semantics. outages, right? <laughs> yeah, <it's> <laughs> Even true. though you, your vehicles slip and go into ditches. Oh, my goodness. I <laughs> can't steadfast. imagine. Steadfast. Especially, I know. We've had so much ice, so much ice. I think we've had our fill of ice for the, Absolutely. For the, <laughs> for, for the year. Well, the other passages we go into the New Testament, we come into the book of Romans. And Romans is a classic book. Uh, several different places in there that, that talk about love. Probably the most prominent one is in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Um, and, and I like that as you get into there where it talks about nothing can separate God's love. But before you get there, I like where it says that just the simple phrase, and I think it's in verse 31 or 32, where it says that God is for us. It's such a simple phrase, and it's 
to me, it's such a powerful phrase. God is not for the enemy. God is not for other. He is for us. And it's just so strong uh, of a phrase, so simple, so strong, but so powerful. Um, and, and this is a classic passage. What, what else in this passage, Matt, um, do you think here, Romans chapter 8? Well, I love how this passage, your Romans chapter 8 is such a, a rich rich chapter in, in Romans, but it, it builds on what's been established, this life that we have in the Spirit, yeah. uh, this life that God has, 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 from the beginning of time, foreordained that we walk in, and then it says, what shall we say in response to these things, yeah. to what God has done for us? And we come to this conclusion that if God is for us, who can be against us? And it mm. keeps the passage just keeps pointing us back to Christ. It, it, it brings up things that happen in all of our lives, um, people who you bring charges against us or, or mis, misjudge our motives, yeah. um, things like tribulation or persecution or famine or ice storms, I guess. <laughs> it, it brings the focus back to Jesus and, and how we're conquerors through him and you, another good reason maybe to have a good uh, Bible commentary around yeah. is it might direct your attention to in verse 37 when it says, we are more than conquerors. That phrase is from a single Greek word that has the prefix. And as some of you Greek scholars who watch might <laughs> critique my pronunciation, but it's that Greek uh, prefix, uper, yeah. or uper, which it could be translated, transliterated into hyper. Right. So it says that we're hyper conquerors or super conquerors. So yeah. we should have wore some Superman shirts underneath <laughs> and we could, yeah. But we, we're, we're not just conquerors, we're super conquerors. That's right. Through Jesus who loves us. So it's, again, it's bringing that focus back to Jesus. And, and the re yeah, because the reason why we're super conquerors is because of Jesus. Right. And, and nothing can, can um, create a wedge uh, in that between us. His, him and us. I mean, nothing can drive a wedge between God's love and, and or excuse me, between um, God and his love for his people. And uh, so, yeah, super conquerors. I think that's a good way of, of putting it. Reminds me of Superbook. Yeah, I talked about a few podcasts ago. Romans 8, classic passage. Also, Romans 12 and 13 are two of the other passages um, that we had to... Uh, Read. I wanted to read um, verse 9 of Romans chapter 12 because I have a note here that says it sounds really good in my NLT. So, um, okay, here it is, verse 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. <laughs> Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Isn't that true? Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. That sounds like a, a modern-day translation. It is because a lot of times, you know, it's talking about our love for others, our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes we do. It comes out in our mouth. We may just say we love them, but our actions maybe don't show it. And of course, throughout the New Testament, the concept of love is shown in actions more than it's just in what comes out of the mouth or more than your profession. And so it says, don't just pretend, truly love them. And I think we truly love others by showing, um, by showing them, by helping them. I mean, I know many of you have been helping others, you know, in the time of ice storm that we've had and the snow now and, and all the things that we're experiencing. You've checked on your neighbor. You've checked on your brother or sister in Christ. And that truly is showing love. Um, and uh, who knew that when we had designed love for February, I was thinking more of Valentine's <laughs> Day love, not necessarily getting out in the middle of an ice storm to help your neighbor, but it's true. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting, the differences between the two translations. Yeah. Between the, and that's one reason why we suggest sometimes read it in another translation and, and it'll it'll shed a different light on it, bring out some different, different aspects perspective, of the yeah. passage. And in, in my ESV, which is maybe a little more what we'd call formal of a translation, yep. um, 
in verse 9, it says, let love be genuine. So mm. it's, it's actually like a passive that. thing. Yeah. We learn in the Bible that God is love. Um, so when we, tra- when we infuse our selfish motives or selfish, yep. selfish ambitions into love, we're not letting love be genuine, what, that comes from God. Um, so, so it's something that we have to we have to receive the love from God first before we can show it to others. Yeah, and that's a that's a lifetime pursuit too. Absolutely, and that's a continual thing. And we'll come to some passages like in John and Hebrews later on that talk about that aspect of it, it's it's a continual thing. You know, Jesus says, "How what's the one mark uh, that you're my true disciple? The fact that you love others, um, and it's not just a one time event. It's not like okay, I did my one good deed for the day, and now I'm done." <laughs> You know, it's a continual thing um, each and every day. So Romans chapter 12, a couple. Romans chapter 13, there's a few more in there. I think uh, verses 8 through 10 as well, you're supposed to read there. Uh, just the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. And we move to the First Corinthians 13 passage, and that's probably a familiar one because most of you have probably heard it read at uh, weddings, um, and, and I think it's interesting because it's a good passage, and, and, and Paul's point is that in chapters 12 and 13 and 14, he's talking about spiritual gifts and he's talking about the use and abuse of them and how some were spiritual gifts were looked on as better than others. It's not the case, but that's what was happening in the church of Corinth. They had a lot of problems nonetheless. And he gets kind of in the middle of it in chapter 13. He says, listen, if love doesn't permeate everything you do, especially in the exercise of your spiritual gift, then it's kind of like, what's the point of actually doing it? It's kind of like, what's the point of actually serving the Lord with a bad attitude? You know, you don't get the benefit of the blessing from it because you're not doing it out of love, out of, out of a heart for Him. What else in this passage? Anything particular pointed out? Well, you, 13? You, you brought up that it's often used in weddings. Uh, yeah, when that, yeah. that wasn't the original audience, weren't people no. that were being married. It was a church that could not get along with each other. Yeah, that's the um, truth. So you could say that in both of those instances, a, a church that can't get along... Um, brothers and sisters of Christ that can't get along, and uh, a couple who's either preparing to be married or is, is young married, what both of those situations need is for love to be mature. Mm-hmm. And in verse 11, Paul says, uh, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. Yeah. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. My Christian school English teacher, when I would misbehave, <laughs> would make me quote that verse, and by the end of the year, I'd have it memorized. Um, but it's, it's pointing us to, to this fact that mature love looks like this. And whether you're preparing to be married, whether you're a young Christian, or some of us that are even older Christians, it would be good for us to, rem- to remember that uh, mature love looks like this picture here, where love is patient and kind, doesn't envy and boast, it's not arrogant or rude. All of those attributes, what love isn't, what love is, yeah. what love does, all of those things show us what it means to be a mature believer. In, in the context, let me just add as well, in the context of gifts too, you know, I love these gifts, uh, you know, especially speaking in tongues and prophecy, some of these other ones that Paul mentioned. We don't have time to discuss those today. Um, but those gifts were temporary. And I think he's also trying to highlight the fact that, that, that love is forever. It's a permanent thing, mm-hmm. especially when you talk about the love of God. Uh, you know, it, it's a forever thing. Just like for us today, it should be continual. And again, that idea of maturing, that idea is it, it's a, not a one-time event. It's a daily process, daily sanctification process in your Christian life. How can I better love my brothers and sisters today? And that's why a lot of the things that we do um, at church through our uh, programs and ministries, how can we show the love of others to um, our brothers and sisters in Christ or to the community? You know, there's little cards we have, you know, designed to show the love to someone else, get a little free Dairy Queen treat and watch the video because we're trying to promote the gospel, but at the same time, uh, 
important thing is, how can we show love to others? Well, we show them love by explaining to them this awesome gift, this awesome gospel that they probably maybe never heard of. I mean, that is truly love because we're, our, you know, we're trying to be loving to them. We don't want them to die and be separated from God forever. We want them to be with us and to join us with God in all eternity. And, and so a lot of the things we do is to help us and to teach us through sanctification to love others well because it's not easy. Not easy as well. And that leads right into, you go into 2 Corinthians in the chapter 5, the next passage, and this idea here that the love of Christ ought to control us. And I like that, uh, how he says Christ's love should uh, change how we see others. You know, kind of like some of those songs go, seeing seeing others through the eyes of Christ. Or uh, I always think of the "What would Jesus do?" You know, bracelets that were big. But it's true. Um, but probably one of the most um, profound verses in all of Scripture is here in Second Corinthians chapter five because it talks about the process of reconciliation and how my sin for Christ's righteousness. And that's the epitome to me of love, this idea of the great exchange. And if you've never heard that, uh, some commentaries will talk about it. If you pull out commentaries for 2 Corinthians 5, and it'll talk through this passage. But my sin for Christ's righteousness, and that is not... Uh, that that's not a good trade. You know, when you were younger, um, you trade things. At least I would with my friends. We trade baseball cards. We trade things. And you, you know, you want to get good value. You know, you don't want to be um, how would you say hustled maybe. Um, and so you trade good things. So I'll give you this marble for three of my other ones, or I'll give you this guy for two of your other guys. But this is not a good trade. I mean, you think about it. My sin for Christ's righteousness. That's not a good trade at all. And it talks about how that love of Christ in verse fourteen. It can. My version in the English Standard Version says controls us. I know in the New um, NIV New International Version it says that Christ's love compels us. Compels, um, yeah. So it's this con- controlling force that controls our actions and our and, and our our mission. And we see how it, by the end of the passage that we're studying, it's not only that we've received Christ's love and that we've been reconciled, but it turns our attention to the world that mm-hmm. needs to be reconciled to God, yeah. where it says that we are ambassadors for Christ and God's making His appeal through us. And looking into the some of the syntax of this passage, it, it's, it's a phrase that was also used in other Greek literature that would describe an attorney, a lawyer, yeah. a legal representative making his closing arguments or a final appeal. So it, it's it, it's weighty for us to think that we are God's closing mm-hmm. arguments for the gospel. Yeah, you think about that. I mean, us who are sinful, who are wretched, who <laughs> can't do things right, mess up every single day. How could we, our character, ourselves, his love for us be the closing argument. I mean, we, we, you'd think that God would use something else, something more powerful. And of course, through the death of Christ, that's all made possible. Um, but yeah, this is a good passage. It, there's a lot of theology in this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, but I just wanted to highlight that one part of Christ controls or the, excuse me, Christ's love controls us or constrains us. It's what makes us tick. It's what should make you tick. And it goes back to that same idea in John where Jesus says, how can I tell you are my disciples? By the fact that your love controls you. Your love for others controls you. And that's how. Uh, that's one of the main reasons. Now, there are a couple other passages as we bleed into the next week. Um, Ephesians and Galatians. I've got uh, Galatians 5. There's a couple passages there. I have some things on Ephesians 2, which is a classic passage there. Um, 
You probably have memorized Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Um, but I like that word where it says we are his workmanship or masterpiece, it says. And it's actually, um, it's, it's translation from a word that means poem. And it's kind of interesting. You think about us, you know, going back to what you said earlier, we could be God's closing argument, but we are uh, kind of like his poem in motion. And that does not sound really that great because some of us uh, don't look like poems in motion <laughs> in our daily Christian lives. It's not uh, fantastic um, as we might assume. Um, but nonetheless, that's how God's love works in and through us. And when, and, and, you know, we are expressing the depths of his love and his creative heart when we love others. And that's the point. Um, the world sees a poem when we start loving others and loving them unconditionally like Jesus would. Um, and uh, so there, there's some more things. But what else do you got? I don't want to take up. Well, I, I hadn't turned there, but I noticed that in, in Ephesians chapter 2, it begins with us being dead in our sins and our trespasses. And, and what a process, what, what a work God has done in our lives as believers that he took people who were yeah, enslaved to our, our flesh and, and, and the, the, the principalities and powers, our enemy Satan, how we were dead in our sins. And because it's just be, but because of his great mercy, he saved us. And all of these consequences of our salvation, we've gone from being dead in our sins to being a poem, a masterpiece, a work mm. of art by God. And, and that helps us to understand, we think, why in the world would God use us as his final appeal, bridging from the, the last passage? Well, because we have a story, and the story is not about how we've overcome this or we've overcome that, but how, how, has, how Jesus yeah. has overcome yeah. for us. Yeah. So it's, it's, an, it's incredible when we let God use our story um, to reach other people. Now, the other couple of passages are all, how do we say it, um, Johannan passages. There we go. There's the fancy term for the day. <laughs> passages related to John. Of course, if you know the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of John, you know that his main theme, a lot of what he talks about is love, love for others. And the passages uh, that you'll read for this coming week in John 15, 1st John 3, 1st John 4, and 2nd John as well, that, that, that little book, all those deal with love. But the one thing in, in the John passage, John 15, and we've referenced this before, uh, the whole father and son relationship. Um, and, and the whole father and son relationship in, in John, it's a paradigm for the relationship between the son and us or our relationship with Christ. And so the way that the father and the son had a relationship together, Jesus says, that's the way that we ought to have our relationship with Christ. And so you see how constantly through the gospel accounts, how Jesus was constantly doing the Father's will. He was obsessed, addicted, we might even say, with doing the Father's will. In the same way, we also need to be obsessed and addicted with doing the will of Christ. And of course, part of that is showing love to others. And I think uh, we've said this before, you know, when the lawyer was trying to confuse Jesus as which is the greatest commandment, Jesus says, well, you're to love the Lord your God and you're to love others. But like Matt said earlier, you can't love others until you're first are loving God, have a relationship with him. Now, first John, there's some more passages. There's some more uh, teaching there about love. Now, did the, I feel like the youth group, uh, the student ministry did something did you guys study First John recently or Second John recently? I feel like you may have studied that a few. We have. We, we a few about a year ago. We, okay. we, we studied First is, is John. Is there any main thing that you took away from that study that 
you maybe something different. First John, it's it's about fellowship. Is yeah, a lot of it has to do with being in fellowship with God. And there are a lot of phrases in First John. This is how we know. Mm, uh, that's yeah, good. And and it's it's indicative of our relationship with God. And and most of those, I guess you could call it, this is how we know passages. Those those kind of spiritual yeah checkups that that John gives us in First John have to do with the way that we love God and that we love others. And that's truly an action-based love, you know. How do you know? Well, by your actions, by what you're doing, by by and it's not necessarily doing something with your hands maybe, it's necessarily maybe doing something with your mind or or, or how you're thinking about something. Um and uh so those those are important. Okay. Uh, now second John, small little book and you'll read that and this is just kind of a book a, a reminder. Uh, you know, it's it's a special book, ne- not necessarily um it was written to this uh, from an elder lady here, checking up on another church. And to me, the main thing from this little book is it's just a reminder that this is not new. The fact that we're to love others, that's not a new concept. That's been here since the beginning. Even in the Old Testament, you know, through the, through the commandments, God was teaching the nation of Israel to love their neighbors. And so it's kind of like a reminder. It's like, duh, just want to remind you that this is not anything new, um, that you should be loving one another. Now, the Hebrews passage, that's interesting because in Hebrews 13, where it says, my translation says, and it starts in Hebrews 13, um, if I can get to there quickly as I'm reading here, <laughs> I'll find it. Hebrews 13, I love how this says it starts out. It says, keep on loving each brother, each other, excuse me, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. So again, there's your command and to do it continually. You know, why would you have to command someone to love another? Because it doesn't come naturally. And in the NLT, it's highlighting the continuing, that present tense of the verb, keep on loving each other. It's a command to do so. Keep on entertaining, keep on having hospitality, keep on doing these things, because that's the epitome of what love is. And so it's that idea of 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 constant process. So love is something that's developed in a one-time thing. Even if you think about it, the sacrifice of Christ, yes, that was a one-time thing, his sacrifice on the cross, but it really started way back in the beginning in Genesis when, when mankind messed up and God said, now nah, I've got a plan and I'm going to send my son to redeem mankind. And you can see God's love throughout all of the Old Testament and into the New Testament and even beyond. Um, God loves us so much now that he's got a place prepared for us. He's got a plan in the future prepared for us. Now, the very last thing uh, for this week is the book of Jude. And I know I saw something recently about the teens studying the book of Jude. Well, and a little sad note here. Uh-oh. We postponed our teens D-Now weekend last week because of snow and ice. And we had to postpone it this week because of power outages. We've been planning to study Jude for the past two weeks. <laughs> I've been studying Jude for the yeah. past like six weeks now. And I, I, I'm, I'm ready to talk a little bit about Jude. <laughs> so what's, what's the main... What, what, give, us, give us a few minutes. I know we've got just a few minutes left. So what's the main... About the book of Jude, what's, what's your takeaway from it? Well, there's, one, there's one main... There's one main imperative in Jude, and it's that we should contend for the faith. And as I grew up, I kind of got the wrong understanding of what it means to contend for the faith. Okay. I was thinking more in the sense of of debates, mm-hmm. of yeah. challenging yeah, yeah. people on this or that. But that, that word for contend is is the word where a similar 
word for us would be agonize, to agonize, mm-hmm. agonize for, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, not just something that we do with our hands, but we do with our hearts. And at the end of Jude, it talks about how we contend for the faith. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God, which is... You know, there you go. Which, which there is, it well, is. That, That's when it has to do with contending for the faith. There, there's one imperative for us individuals. There's another imperative that we, that we should be doing toward others. Okay. So directed towards us is that we're supposed to keep ourselves in the love of God. We do that by wow. waiting for um, His mercy that leads to eternal life. So we look mm. back on what He's done. We look forward to a second coming. But then we look, it says, have mercy on those who doubt. So we would think of contending for the faith as if someone brings up a question or, or, or a doubt that we should maybe kind of squash them like a bug on the I was going to say, floor. take your Bible. Yeah. Like Get what he used to say. Giant print KJV a, <laughs> you know, edition. Uh, He's a thumping with the Bible. Right, right. We're supposed to show mercy uh, or have mercy on yeah. those who doubt. It says, save others by snatching them from the fire. So yeah. when people are in error, we, we keep ourselves in the love of God and we extend that love mm-hmm. to others by trying to help them and save them. It brings to mind Gal- or Galatians chapter chapter 6, where it, it says that, that we should, if we're people who are spiritual, should restore others who have fallen gently. Um, then it says mm-hmm. that we uh, we should show mercy, not just have mercy on people who who, who are struggling in their faith or doubting or maybe right. have fallen into sin, but we should show mercy to them. Um, but we sh- it says we should show mercy with fear. So we mm-hmm. should we should guard ourselves that we don't get pulled into the error that they're in. Um, so Jude's about contending for the faith. We do that by keeping ourselves in the love of God, but we don't just wall ourselves off from the world and from even brothers and sisters who are in error. But but. Contending means that we're we're trying to we're trying to save people from save people from eternal yeah, eternal death. We're also trying to save people who are saved from the consequences of of a life living in sin. So it's 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 that it, okay. So it's that idea of of a love that going back that that controls us. That everything we do is permeated with that. We're telling others about the gospel because we don't want them to die and be separated from God forever. We're, we're making sure our brothers and sisters in Christ are in the love so that they don't continue to commit sins that lead to consequences and, and different things like that. Okay, so that's good. I, I like how that's, uh, uh, it's, love is all wrapped up into that, and it's agonizing. And I think when you, when you said the word agonizing, I thought of, immediately of Jesus agonizing on the cross. Um, which to me, he is the uh, epitome of love. And agonizing on the cross was showing love for us. Didn't Absolutely. have to do that. Yeah. You know, he could have died some other way. You think about that. Of course, it was always prophesied he would do that, and God doesn't make any mistakes. But, I mean, he was sitting there agonizing on the cross. Wow. Well, I think that's all the time that we have um, for this week. Uh, we've tried to combine things into two weeks, uh, into one, uh, talking about love, love, not just something that we uh, profess with our mouths, but it's something that we spend our lifetime trying to show with our actions. Um, and it's a continual thing, and it's a maturing thing. Now, next week we'll start a new month, month of March, and we will talk about Jesus as the religious scholar. And what we mean by that is that Jesus has lots of confrontations with religious leaders. <laughs> he has a lot of them. Uh, he calls them a lot of names, too. <laughs> and uh, so if you want to hear some of those names, we'll talk about some of those names next week. So that's all we've got for this week. Um, so don't also don't forget, if you have not picked up your gift for 2020, if you have not got online and registered for your gift so we can send it 
to you in the mail, please make sure you do that this week. Um, hopefully the weather will cooperate and we can get some more gifts out of the mail this week because some of you are still um, selecting those gifts. So that's all we have for this week. We'll see you next time.